What is up, everybody? It is Lo, your host, and we've got Brando and Drew. Missing Alex tonight. Uh, he's got a busy schedule, probably still recovering from that freaking sick bowl win. 31-14 against Clemson down in his current hometown of Miami. Uh, huge freaking win, guys. Holy shit. Like, I truly didn't know what to expect whatsoever. I had talked uh, last Wednesday about how I just wanted to give Milton a shot. And I'll be damned if he didn't completely just show me exactly what he can do. I mean, he, he pulled like 19 for 28. 251 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, no interceptions. And on top of that, his favorite squirrel, I'm assuming. I'm I'm not saying that's his favorite. I'm just saying in general. Uh, over 100 yards, huge target. I think he had a 50-yard uh, catch. So just a huge game. 11-2 and two to end out the season. If we would have discussed that or even predicted that in our original predictions like everyone would have thought we were completely nuts uh brando was there so i want to go to him first and figure out exactly how fun it was oh the the place was absolutely insane hard rock stadium man from three hours before kickoff until the end of the game was singing rocky top out there in that crazy parking lot i know uh, alex is probably still recovering like me sucks that he has to go back to the busy work schedule i've kind of been kicking back taking it all in enjoying the moment like you said, crazy performance from Joe Milton. Three touchdowns to three separate wide receivers. Being able to kind of throw the ball all over the field. You saw, you know, a deep. You saw short on the on the screen passes, everything. He went to the offense, executed it perfectly. Kind of like we said, you know, it's a chess piece, a chess board for Josh Heupel. Joe Milton went in there. He was the king of that offense, you know, directed everything. A huge performance by them. A huge shout-out to our defense. D-Rock took over Miami. I feel like that was just crazy. Tim Banks had the perfect scheme for the opt-outs with Jeremy Banks out. Uh, Trayvon Flowers didn't go. Brandon Turnage didn't play. So a lot of guys that you know were experienced guys get in there. Uh, weren't all out there. Tennessee went out there with all the opt outs, all the all the you know worrisome everything leading into this game, and completely dominated Clemson in the ACC champs. And that's just a huge check mark on the end of the season. The vibes in Miami were absolutely wild. I I was blown away. I was you know I wasn't there for the Tax Slayer Bowl, but that whole entire stadium like from top to bottom was in all good orange like. You could barely really even see Clemson fans. It was probably like an 85, 15% ratio of balls to Clemson fans. And it was just wild, man. I, we kept singing Rocky Top all night. The vibes were there. And to see Josh Heupel, Milton, and Hendon, you know, to end it all out, throwing orders into the, into the crowd, that was a, the best part for me. So huge and uh, insanely fun weekend. Yeah, I mean, that was such a fun game to watch. I mean, especially, I mean, this was easily the best performance from Joe Milton's had, you know, when, when, you know, playing for Tennessee. I mean, it wasn't the most perfect game, but, man, those deep balls that he threw, especially that one that Ramil Keaton should have caught in the first quarter, I mean, they were accurate. I mean, like, you know, on the dime, too. And, I mean, that pass that he had to scroll wide, that's what should have been a touchdown, uh, which is an absolute dime as well. But the one thing that impressed me the most was, man, our defense was unreal. I mean, especially you take into account, like, Jeremy Banks opting out and a few other starters, too. You had a lot of guys that stepped up. And spent, I mean, we got to shout out Aaron Beasley. I mean, that was the most impressive performance I've I've seen from him probably his entire time he's been in Tennessee. Ten tackles – or 12 tackles, four that were tackles for losses, two sacks. I mean, he was in the backfield all night long. Force, you know, freshman quarterback, Kay Klubinak, like literally running for his life all game, all 60 minutes. And 
Not to mention, I mean, we held Clemson to a season-low 14 points. This is an offense average over 30 points a game. Just impressive as hell. It has me so excited for next year, especially, you know, if Aaron Beasley get another offseason. I think he could be an all-SEC linebacker. He definitely proved it uh, last Friday. And, man, what a fucking season. <laughs> I mean, what a fun football season. That was incredible. For sure. I was going to shout him out, but I figured one of y'all would get to him first. On top of that, forced two turnovers, held them to 0-3 on fourth down, which is something that we complained about literally all year, how we did so well on like third, and then they get fourth down, and we're just like, ah, fuck it. It's whatever. Uh, That did not happen this time. It was honestly incredible. I kept being blown away every single time, and then just to like put a cherry on top – their prized field goal kicker that had like 71 straight field goals missed what four, four in a row. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. Like they must have, Dabo was just literally about to shit himself on the sidelines. <laughs> you could just see it all over him. He was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, this was an incredible thing to watch. Uh, honestly, what the best, obviously the best bowl I've watched. I mean, it's a huge primetime bowl, a great opponent. Uh, we weren't even favored to win, and then we come out and win like that. It was totally dominant. Uh, some of my favorite parts were that uh, Hendon got to come out on the field and be like captain for the toss. Uh, I thought that was very special and a nice touch. Um, really, though, just totally dominant. Like you said, I mean, who the hell was playing on defense out there? I, I Honestly, it sounds bad, but with the people that were out and stuff, I just didn't know how it was going to go whatsoever. And they really, really stepped it up and gave me a lot to look forward to as well. Brando, you're on. Brando, this happens every week. Okay, man, I got you. I got you, Drew. Okay. Drew, you predicted an L last week, okay? You were were gone. Okay, so did Vegas, all right? So I don't know why. I don't know why you're hating on me. This is the ATV show. I think with all of our opt-outs and guys that were injured, a loss was a very – I don't think anyone thought that we were going to kick the living shit out of Clemson last Friday. No Whoa. one, no one even remotely even thought that was a possibility. I mean, really, the first quarter and you know early into the second quarter, we weren't really kicking the fuck out of them yet. And then we kind of got going second half. You know, all the balls start, started hitting. I mean, we were only up seven nothing going late into the second quarter, so that game was kind of close there. And then you know, obviously, their missed field goals that got the crowd super ramped up. I think that's what got us behind our defense so much. Uh, all the missed field goals, all the energy there was just crazy. They were able to capitalize on the moments. Clemson's offense, they were in our, our possession of the field for like seven times and converted and scored points three times of the seven times they were down there in the second half. So just to see all that, the defense played, you know, super lights out. Trayvon Flowers was in there. Brandon Turner was in there. You had guys like Jalen McCullough, Christian Charles, Wesley Walker all stepping up in big, huge uh, key moments. Kamal Haddon, he got, you know, Improved a lot. I thought he played really well. You know, he was still chirping out there. But all in all, you know, Aaron Beasley saw a lot of young guys flash. Even on the edge, man, Byron Young went out with a super bang. He was out there getting pressure, and so was Roman Harrison on the other side. So I definitely agree, man. The D-line, linebackers, everyone gave me a lot of hope going into next year. And I just think that you had this super impressive class. You had that personnel. You get your, you know, DB guy in the portal. You get your linebacker that you got from BYU and Keenan Peely, who's going to be an immediate starter. Go get your edge rusher. And, man, uh, you saw enough on offense to make me think that, hey, we can go back and run this back next year. And that's crazy to say that I think that, hey, we just won the second most prestigious bowl that's not a college football playoff game anymore. And the balls are back, baby. 
Hell yeah. Um, Drew, do you have anything to comment? Well, no, I mean, I think a couple of statistics that would surprise you guys is that this was the first time that we, we won an Orange Bowl since 1939. So <laughs> back, back when we won the national championship itself under Robert Nealon and our first 11 win season since 2001. So, I mean, just the thing about all this stuff was happening under year two under Josh Heupel, you know, it's just, it's remarkable. And if you look at a lot of these like recruits in the 2024 class, like they're taking note of it. I mean, the quote that five-star linebacker Sammy Brown had today was like, it caught my attention. I mean, he literally, when the media was asking about him with Tennessee being, you know, one of his top schools, you know, during the recruiting process, when they asked about Heupel, he said, I think he's going to continue to build that program and they're going to be dangerous in the next couple of years. I think they have a shot to win the SEC and possibly play for a national championship the way they're going. Imagine that statement two years ago when we just first hired this guy in the middle of an NCAA investigation. People would be like, you're absolutely insane. Like, we would laugh about that. And the reality of it is now is that a lot of these recruits are seeing Tennessee as the Tennessee that we've always knew that this program was supposed to be. Like, we're back on the map. And, like, they're taking note of it. And, like, they're actually excited about being recruited by Tennessee as well. So, I mean, it's just – it's incredible. I mean, like, the turnaround that Hypo has done here is, like, it's it's remarkable. I mean, it's, it's definitely crazy that we're, like, one bad week away from saying, hey, like, that's us this year and year two. Next year, after seeing what we just saw this past Friday, like, the future is super bright. You're not just seeing it with recruits like you just saw us, you know, land a top 10 class, looking at the 2024 class. Tennessee is set to host, like, a major weekend in the portal this weekend. Miami off to tackle transfer and John Campbell, Oregon wide receiver Dante Thornton, who's seeming to be a true ball lean. And then the uh, the Arizona State guy, uh, Omar Norman Lott, the defensive lineman there, who's a super Rodney Garner guy. I think Tennessee goes three for three there. And then you got more guys that are about to enter. And you're already talking about portal guys. Like, it's not just kids taking notice. It's guys, the next level D1 football, Power 5 conferences that are watching these bowl games. Tennessee was, you know, the most watched game against Clemson. And to factor in all the recruits, not only just fans and national media alone, like Tennessee is getting the eyes on them that they need. Absolutely. So undoubtedly, we all agree this was definitely our favorite bowl game, like win and everything of this entire season. But I want to talk about what is which one, if you had to pick one, is your favorite loss that you saw. I I was teeter tottering between South Carolina loss and but the USC loss to Tulane was pretty fucking awesome as well. Um, I want to know like what your guys' favorite little kind of mini karma moment was. Okay, my biggest one, obviously the Tulane one hit home because they're passing the SEC and seeing the whole Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams thing kind of fall down again. But as a Vols fan and my spite and hate for Kentucky, uh, them you know going out there against Iowa, two pick sixes. Uh, returning the kick on them. It was just absolutely crazy to see the Wade twins, Destin Wade, leading, you know, Kentucky out there, finally got his chance at quarterback like he was promised from Mark Stoops after, you know, two and a half years and, you know, two pick sixes, terrible performance. And I just kind of, you know, chuckled on the side right there when I saw that. So that'd be mine. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the Kentucky one's great just because, you know, back-to-back pick sixes and, you know, allowing 21 points to an Iowa team that only scored seven against South Dakota State. I mean, they're they're a god-awful football team. And, like, it wasn't even close after two minutes into the first quarter. But the USC one's good just because they literally led the entire game and then completely just gave up, like, allowed 16 points in the last three and a half minutes. But honestly, and I think a lot of people forget about this one, is Florida getting their teeth kicked in by Oregon State in the Vegas Bowl. Like, 
And it's just, it's so awesome because, you know, you think about two years ago, you know, we were three and seven, you know, Florida was a top 10 team, nearly made to the college football playoff, had, you know, that moronic, you know, defensive back for the net throw, that LSU wide receiver shoe. And, you know, we're playing in the Cotton Bowl too and reverse it two years later and they're six and seven. Uh, you know, they have over 15 players in the portal, only scored three points against Oregon fucking state. I mean, they're in complete shambles. They are just imploding. They're pissed. They're furious. It's just, it's awesome. It's so great. And, I mean, it's just, it's such a beautiful time as a Tennessee sports fan, just seeing Florida and Kentucky and all these schools just slowly just imploding away. That is true. There are really some awesome ones. Like, I don't know. The Kentucky one was great, especially with some people that we know talking mad shit on Twitter and then turning around and not even being able to score, not even a fucking field. I mean, God, how embarrassing is that? They're not uh, horrendous. Like, so ugly, so horrendous. Uh, but the other thing, too, I just – the South Carolina would I just wanted – I can't stand Spencer Radler. And, like, at the end, you could tell he was getting so mad and agitated mm -hmm. and hockey. I'm sure Spencer Radler came back out. His facial – Yeah, his facial expressions just – Felt like he thought he was just going to walk in there and take it without effort. And it just cracked me up at the end to just see it fall apart. So I don't know. I really loved that just because as much as like, I think Will Levis is super corny and that's the perfect word for him would be corny. Um, I don't necessarily super dislike the guy, whereas Rattletrap, I just can't stand his ass. So that one kind of hit home for me more, but seeing Florida in shambles too is, Absolutely fantastic. It's just a great time to be a Vol right now. The other thing I wanted to ask is uh, there is a huge debate over this on Twitter about who you're rooting for in the Ohio State-Georgia game. I know who I was rooting for, and I I want to know who you guys were. Oh, I would definitely say Ohio State 100%. I have a crazy funny story about this. So on the flight home, I'm flying back New Year's Eve. It's about, you know, 1130. It just, you know, went past midnight. Going into midnight in the East Coast, we're about to touch back into Nashville, and they're going for the kick. And the flight attendant, as soon as the, the kick happened on literally on New Year's Day, like it literally as the countdown happened on midnight, and the flight attendant beeps into the plane, and our screens go blank, and it's like airplane <laughs> announcement. He's like, "Happy New Year's, guys!" Like the whole freaking plane is Vols fans pissed off because he just <laughs> cut off the college football playoffs, and no one knew what happened until we get back on the ground. He's like, "He shanked it." And we were pissed. It was so bad. But definitely Ohio State. It was kind of uh, sad how that went down, man. They went out there, and I feel like they really exposed them, like, vertically. CJ Stroud <laughs> play, played probably the best game of his career and still couldn't get it done. And that just sucks for that kick. He's going to be, like, really good in the NFL. Didn't win a Big Ten championship. Didn't win a, a playoff game. I just I kind of feel for him, so. You know, it was actually a really tough decision for me because, you know, as a Vols fan, grown up in the suburbs of Atlanta, I've, I've always hated Georgia. I mean, I, one of my first memories as a kid is, you know, getting barked at by a 50-year-old man in Sanford Stadium. So I've always had oh pure hatred for them. However, though, I hate Ohio State's fans, and specifically my buddy Dan. I hate his guts. And, uh, you know, it was, was kind of like a double-edged sword. So I was like, damn it, you know, Georgia did, you know, win in that fashion. I hate it, but at the same time, just to see Dan lose that way too it was it was kind of bittersweet as well, especially after all the shit that that asshole talks from the South Carolina game. So, you yeah. know, it was really tough. Um, 
I mean, I mean, probably still Ohio State because you know I'm not I'm not this type of you know fan where oh Georgia's in the SEC we need to support our conference like no it's okay. like well I saw someone on Twitter say like just because I'd be like saying that you support Satan because he's in the Bible like you know so <laughs> you know I mean like I I hate it but I hate both of those teams so like it just didn't really matter because at the end of the day I was just gonna be pissed off regardless yeah I don't know I hate I really do I hate both of them. But for some reason, I just hate Ohio State more. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I can't really explain, like, why I hate them more. But the other thing, too, is I'm always one of those people when there's a game that I'm not affiliated in, I want the I want the comeback to happen. Like, I want it to get down to the last second. Mm-hmm. So when it was occurring that way, I was definitely hoping for Georgia to at least make a run for it just for the thrill of the game itself. Um, I mean, I really don't give a shit who goes. If I could pick someone who wins, obviously I want TCU to win because what if what an incredible story that would be. I don't think that they can, but who knows? But in terms of that game, I'm like, I don't really give a shit who gets there at this point. I just want a really good game, and that was delivered for sure. We had the ball drop on one television and the literal finale on the other television right next to each other. So, I mean, it, it was good to watch, you know, especially after we win. It's like, well, this doesn't fucking matter anyways. We did our stuff, and, you know, that just is what it is. So I was just curious about everyone's opinions because it got really hostile on Twitter, and I was like, why does everyone care so fucking much? We just won. We, we finished 11-2. and two. Everyone just calm down. Who cares who, who gets there? I mean, because we should have been there, but at the same time, like – like at the same exact time, the only reason I have to hate Ohio State is like stealing recruits in the past, like Dallin Hayden, Carnell Tate, whatever. But I hate Georgia for very many reasons, and you know them barking at literal human beings is one of them. So they're they're a very bizarre bunch. I've never really understood them. Quite honestly, I never will, and I'll still hate their guts. But Ohio State's fans, though, they're just they're so like there's like a sense of like entitlement that they have, and it just. It yeah. bugs the shit out of me. Like, it really does. And, like, I don't know why they feel like they're so entitled to everything. But in the COVID year with, like, two games. Um, They – they I think they won all their regular season games, but they did lose to Alabama in the national championship. I remember that. But uh, – I remember some deep-seated anger that I had for them a few years ago from some scenario like that where I was just like I I literally can't stand this team so I think I just carried that forward yeah I mean I, if you're not Tennessee like I fucking hate you guys like that's like kind of like my motto is like I'm a hater of everyone except us so <laughs> and sometimes us of course of course I mean <laughs> not, not specifically like the team itself but like honestly kind of like a little bit of our fan base I get like you know, I mean, we're the same fan base that argues whether, like, we should woo, like, when we sing Rocky Top. I mean, like, it's just the dumbest shit that, like, we I see on there on a daily basis. But that makes who we are, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a couple other scenarios that pop immediately into my head. So. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, any more about football, Brando, that you're wanting to uh... do? No, just look out for those tranches for sure. Uh, 2024 guys, definitely look out for, like, Boo Carter, the four-star safety there. He might be trying to wrap it up soon after he visits Colorado, come around back to Tennessee. Um, all in all, man, I think Miami was, like, the best way to close it around. 
I know me and Alex had a freaking blast, not just because the the substances we were taking, but all in all, the the energy on hard rock, you know, before the game, man, I, I'm just going to remember that for a long time. It was a different experience to see that many people travel out to Miami and South Beach, Fort Lauderdale, deep in the hard rock stadium. That place was completely packed. It's been the most, you know, fans that Miami's seen in collegiate football, besides the Miami Dolphins down there. And I just want recruits down there like Francis Malgo and others to take notice because Tennessee went in there, packed it 66 plus thousand and showed out, man. It was just a blast. So couldn't uh, be a better storytelling ending. And that's, you know, exactly. For recruits like Francis, it's like, you know, you got a couple options. You can either come to Tennessee where we're winning orange balls, we're beating Florida, we're beating Alabama, or you can play in a 40% filled Dolphin Stadium and lose to Middle Tennessee by two touchdowns. So Where, bro, staying with Alex is 10 minutes, 10 minutes off stadium, man. Staying with Alex. The, the fact we had to drive 50 minutes to get to that stadium and Miami football players have to do that almost every week or every other week just to play in their home stadium, that is disgusting. It's an outrage. Being on that on that campus, there's no reason I should be able to walk into a building and grab condoms at the door, but they don't have a football like the stadium. It. It's crazy. It's it probably explains why they have zero like zero student section at their football games at all. I don't blame them one bit. That'd be like the Vols playing over like in La Follette. I mean, like Jesus. I would not try that far to see them. Sorry. <laughs> like not only consistent basis, of course, but but yeah. Eleven to yeah. two, man. That's crazy. We're fucking back, dude. We're so back. It, you know, it's it's weird. It, we're kind of like in a golden era of Tennessee sports, if you really think about it. I mean, football teams a consistent top team ten again. Basketball is killing it, which we'll just talk about. And baseball, we're preseason number two, which is fucking. That shit was fucking. I mean, that's all that shit. That it's wild. just unbelievable. I mean, it's weird. Like, especially considering three years ago we were in complete shambles. I mean, I don't. I don't know what to do. So I'm like Ricky Bobby. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I, you know, I'm too excited. I mean, so. like, I know, like, me and Lo had the idea of 10 and 2, but, like, the actual idea of, like, the overall, like, health it would be in as soon okay. as we made the hire of Danny White and Josh Heifel, like, they happened in back-to-back weeks. And to say that those two would, you know, accelerate everything else, we always said years and years ago that you get football back at Tennessee, you're going to get everything back. And everything was always clicking. But having that one, you know, <laughs> key piece missing – now you're seeing Rick Barnes. You're now you're seeing these guys get stacked and stacked with the roster. Tony Vitello, number one 2024 recruiting class right now. You know, Rick Barnes bringing in top five classes every other year. You know, Josh Heupel just getting started. Spire Sports being involved. The overall health of everything, man, that's a great thing to point out. Like, it's just keep, you know, investing more into Tennessee, and Tennessee's going to go to the top. It's crazy. You know, I just had a really interesting thought pop up. I wonder when the last time was that our – football team and our basketball team were both 11 and two at the same time. If Holy ever. Shit. I, if, hmm. I wonder if it, I don't even, I mean, I can't imagine a time when that happened actually. It might honestly be 2001. I mean, we were good at basketball. Like when Jerry green was that coach, I mean, we're consistently a top 15 team. So, I mean, I, but I don't know that. I mean, that's yeah, that's incredible. Like, I never really, really even thought about that. But. I don't know how my brain just formulated that live, but I'm oh, pretty yeah. proud yeah. of it. Someone stat check that shit. God. Yeah, real. We need a statistician, but that's not in the budget, so we'll just sit here and wonder. So um, back. So back. So back. So speaking of basketball, let's <laughs> talk about last night because I. 
I had no idea what to expect. I'm thinking Vols are 11 and 2, freaking Mississippi State is 11 and 2. I don't really care who each other has played. That's still really good records. It's an SEC match. And I get down there. Think, first of all, I'm just disgusted with the parking, as always, of course. But it's so just, bad. It is so bad. Like, there's nowhere to park whatsoever. Like, God forbid a fire happened and a fire truck needed a fire hydrant because <clears throat> that's where everyone parks. There's just nowhere to park. You have to take the risk. But we get in. I get my beers. I sit down. And I don't even know what team I'm watching last night. It was unbelievable. <laughs> It took Mississippi State almost seven minutes to score their first basket, and the only reason that they scored is off of a goaltending call. What the hell type – We our defense played incredible. Uh, we were shooting the three left and right, and, it, you know, we talked about this. It's like we're confused about what our game plan is. Are we taking threes? Are we not taking threes? We know our defense is going to be set, but last night really was an all-around like best game of best game of the season. Really showed us what we thought at the beginning of the season in terms of talent on the roster, getting the guys to work together, movement off the ball, incredible defense. I mean, you could have told me we were playing like a team that hasn't won a single game this season because that's honestly what it looked like. Oh, I mean, you could not ask for a better start than what we had. Like, I think after, you know, the 20-point lead, it was pretty much over. Like, Mississippi State kind of just fell flat on their face. And it was crazy because, like, leading up to this game, it was like, okay, these are, like, two of the top-ranked defenses on Ken Palm. This is going to be a crazy game, a huge SEC matchup. But, like, you had Santiago Vescovi out there stroking it early. That guy's shoulder is definitely back to 100%. Uh, to see him finally get back in the rhythm, Triple J, welcome back to him. And he got involved early. And, you know, Triple J, Zakai, and Santiago Vescovi, like the sequences they were having was like some show, like Showtime Lakers kind of like vibe. It was insane. Uh, just absolutely crazy vibes. We really haven't seen it inside TBA since last year and definitely close to the Arizona game where we absolutely dominated them in TBA. And just but to see all that overall confidence, you know, in conference play, second game of that, that's just a huge, huge statement for the, the future of this team going into this year. I've just been kind of questionable, you know, after our early starts and the kind of questionable things, but huge performance, huge win. And all in all, man, like the shooting, you can play like this, match the defense, the the finish line is crazy. That was hands down the best performance we've had all season. And that might have been one of the best offensive performances we've had in at least two or three years, as far as I can remember. I mean, you know, with Vescovi just being red hot, they made his first four three-pointers, you know, go go off to a 16-0 lead before they call a timeout. And Triple J coming back, you know, and scoring a nice eight points and four assists. You know, he was – I mean, and like, it's like what I said in the last show. Like, you know, we were, we're missing, like, one guy that could really just elevate this team to the next level. And, like, Triple J's it. Because if you really think about it, he can really play all five positions. Like, he was a point guard out of high school, so, you know, he can – he can lead up, you know, run the offense if he needs to. He's big enough. He can play too easily because he can shoot the three. He's lengthy enough to play the three, you know, defensively. And he can play a four or five because he's strong too, like deep inside. So, um, I mean, just an unbelievable performance. And I'm telling you, there's a reason why we're the number two in the Kim Palm rankings. Like this team, if they can get something consistent and it looks like Tyree Key just looks more comfortable playing offensively too, sure. if they start getting in a groove here, I don't know if there's a team in America that can beat them. I really, I mean, maybe Houston, but like, I mean, this, that was, that was unbelievable. I mean, you're not going to lose many games shooting 69% from the field. So. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was incredible. Like I couldn't believe what I was watching. It's so interesting how having Triple J just as an option almost changed the entire gameplay. Just not starting, you know, nothing, nothing really different except him being an option to come in at any time. Everyone looked so much more comfortable. I love Tyreek looked good out there. They covered each other's backs. The movement off the ball was a billion times better. And we got some like a nice taste of what it used to look like when Bone led the offense and they got to play and actually play off the ball, play fast break a little bit. We got a taste of that because, like I said last week, if they can clean up and stay good fundamentally, then Rick Barnes doesn't manhandle them as much on offense. He lets them play. He, you know, the more that they can demonstrate that they can work like this, the more exciting it's going to be to watch with the offense. And I truly think that Triple J being an option and being there is like a huge key to this. I mean, and on top of that, Zakai was just incredible last night. I mean, so fucking fast. And it's just everyone was just really impressive. Hell, even we had walk-ons out there. <laughs> scoring points for sure. Yeah. Like, okay. it's, it's unbelievable uh, what last night was. And, I mean, it's hitting at the right time, you know, right now. Um, some would say it's a bit early. But with the injuries that we've had and the kind of offensive blunders that we've had, I, I feel like it would probably be the right time. You know, now is better than never. And – that was an incredible product on the court last night. Oh, yeah. Zakai becoming, you know, the 15th ball in history to have a double-double, recording a double-double there. Uh, Drew pointed out, you know, shooting 69%. That's the fourth best shooting percentage since February of 1996. Like, that's absolutely insane. So, you know, over two decades. And then, you know, I pointed out, like, we had five guys that were in double-digit points. Like, obviously, that's going to play a huge part of getting up to points. Like, scoring 87, that's pretty much a lot. Holding them to 53. Our defense, you know, kind of played that consistent that they played all year, keeping teams in the 50 to 60 threshold. Yeah, Colorado and Arizona kind of stung. But like y'all said, like this game all around, uh, finally healthy. Triple J kind of being that leader, commanding him. If he can have him and like Zakai coming off the bench or Tyreek, whoever it is, whatever kind of rotation you figure out, like this team is just going to be dominant. And like we've talked about the depth being insane on this roster. It's finally coming into play. And to see like, you know, Triple J, the, the comments he had last night that, this isn't going to be a lingering issue anymore. It sounds like he has like a medication that's finally working. The pain is really, you know, going away. And to see, you know, them get that kind of situated, if he can go out there, be consistent, not have to be like a LeBron, you know, 2020 and sit out, you know, have, you know, the season just to be able to play in the big games. That'll be huge. I think if you can get that leadership back consistently, like the overall confidence in this team, it's going to be huge. Drew, I have a question, buddy. Go for it. How bad did it piss you off? I know it's great. We always love as Vols fans to see the walk-ons get points, right? How bad did it piss you off that Knox Catholic native BJ Edwards did not see the court yesterday? I mean, I mean, it was an outrage, of course. But I mean, seriously, dude, like there has to be it's something. Going, There's got to be something bro. going on at it's practice so that we don't know. Where a walk-on when we're up by 35 is getting more playing time than a four-star guard. I mean. Like, and BJ is not a bad player. I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely a little bit undersized and needs to be developed. I mean, but good God, though. I mean, like, what does the man have to do? And how, also, how bad is he on defense to not be playing in the last minute and a half of a 35 point lead? I mean, my thing on- is, 
my, my thing is Toby Awaka wasn't on this roster, you know, like three to four months ago. BJ Edwards was a, you know, a four-star point guard, you know, a top 20 point guard in the class, flash in Knoxville, flash in comp play, like went against Mikey, uh, Mikey Edwards and others and locked them down. Like we've seen him play deep. We've seen him play ball <laughs> against elite players. And like, I, it just amazes me how he gets to Tennessee and it's, you know, not even able to see the court. It, it, it absolutely blows my mind. Um, Very strange. Like, I wish we had some sort of insider knowledge on this because it just doesn't, it truly doesn't make sense unless he's injured or they're trying to, I don't know, preserve his season. I mean, I don't know what else you could get. My my whole thing is he was able to, you know, he had a committable offer to Georgetown, committable offer to Wake Forest, committable offer to Auburn. That kid's probably at one of those three schools right now, balling out, getting like rotation minutes. And, Maybe it just is his defense. Maybe it's his, you know, his structural play with how he gets with this kind of system. I have no idea. But, like, to hear, like, all the people, the Knoxville natives that watched this kid for three to four years, saw how elite he was and, like, promised that he was going to be a factor. And you got, you know, a walk-on guard scoring a layup and making the, the stadium erupt, you know, the first good thing to happen in 15 minutes because we blew him out. Like, wasn't really interested. In, like, we were hyped about a, a walk-on. There's got to be something, man. Like BJ Edwards, I know rankings don't always matter, but that the kid's film doesn't lie. He's gonna have to factor in or you know find somewhere. I don't know how long he kind of lasts here. Takes it. Well, I mean, him having an offer at Georgetown doesn't really mean much because Georgetown is god awful. I mean, they might be the worst basketball team I've ever seen. But no, I mean, I agree though. I mean, like honestly, I really do. And I think it's probably kind of like a little bit how like Jonas Adu was last year because you know Adu was a five star center where we thought that he was going to come in, play early, get some minutes, you know, compete for that spot against Kamwa. And he didn't really see any playing time until after Kamwa got that ACL injury last year. And, I mean, he was forced to play out there. So, I mean, I don't think we're going to have anything like that because we're too deep in the guard position for him to get on the court. But, he must, I mean, the only explanation is just that he's just not fit for this defense and needs to be developed more, and he's just a liability out there. And – Rick Barnes will rather 10 times out of 10 have someone that's a great defensive player and average offensively than a great offensive player and complete liability on defense. So and it's just how it is. I think luckily because we have so much talent in the guard position that it's nice that like we won't have to rely on him. But my one fear is though, and you know, especially with Freddie Dillon, who was, you know, the 2024 commit that's coming in next year, he's enrolling early actually. Yeah. My fear is that probably BJ is going to be gone after this year uh, in the portal. Yeah. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is just that's just how college athletics is. Like, if you're not going to get playing time, you're not going to stay. I think it'd be a foolish move because, you know, you got Vescovy and Triple J and Tyree Key are all going to be gone. So, like, he's going to have an opportunity to play. But that's a reality, though. And, you know, it wouldn't really surprise me. I mean, we saw that with Huntley Hatfield last year. So, yeah, and maybe, maybe for him, maybe the best thing for him would maybe to leave the state and like find a different school to get some playing time. Because as awful as it sounds, he's not going to get any playing time this year. I mean, it's just a fact. Yeah, that's very true. I also wanted to comment. I want to know what Drew's reaction to this is. Um, Euros showed some spots of athleticism. I swear to God, I could not believe what I saw in like two of his layups. I, I literally thought, oh, he's going to like sprain his ankle on this leap or something. And sure enough, they looked very athletic and I'm not shitting on Euros. Like he's a cool guy, great personality. Yeah. But I was yeah. shocked 
to see those couple of layups with him actually like putting the ball up quickly and not falling down. I don't it, know. It's the most frustrating thing on earth because personality-wise, Euros top top of the board, best personality on the team by a mile, without a doubt. But it is so frustrating because he looks so unathletic, like 80% of the time out there, you know, with these like hideous hook shots, always traveling inside, you know, does always get three seconds calls. And then he pulls off shit like that last night. I mean, it's just like, like, we just need more of that. Like, I'm fine that you contribute only six points a game, but like, make it at least a little bit pretty. I mean, but it's in the double digits too. Dude, he was five for five. I yeah. mean, like literally, no one. Can he might be the the best seven foot passer I've honestly ever seen. Like he was, he was dishing it out too as well last night, even though he had like only three assists, I think. But uh, look, I was gonna say if you think that's like the best content, you got to check out Jonas I do and Mayshack's TikTok. Elite content, like the best dancing you'll ever see on the TikTok. I promise, those guys are elite. I believe it. I believe. I, I believe even Euros probably got a little moves in himself. You know. He- <laughs> oh man. He definitely seems like the guy, you know, is breaking the dance floor over at Hannah's, no doubt. This is true. This is true. Well, we know he has the mouth. He can certainly talk some shit. So he at least has that. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, overall, though, I mean, hell of a performance. I mean, what a great way to start off, you know, home conference play, too. Um, you know, I, there's not really anything else you could really say. And, you know, it will be exciting to see them play against South Carolina. But – you know, I'm looking at our schedule this month, you know, and, I mean, we got a lot of good games on here, you know, especially, you know, oh, Saturday, right, South man. Carolina, South Carolina's trash. I mean, we're going to – we're probably going to be – like, they're awful. But, you know, Vanderbilt's always, regardless of how awful they are, is always somehow a competitive game. It always is, you know, Kentucky next Saturday will be good. Jerry Crackhouse? Jerry Crackhouse, he'll, he'll make it like a 10-point game at one point in the second Dude. half. But – you know, then play at Mississippi State, at LSU, and then Georgia, who I saw at halftime was beating Auburn, and they're surprisingly not that bad of a team. And then we have Texas. I think if you win three or four of those games with Kentucky, LSU, and Texas, we might be a top five team. And honestly, we think you win them all. And so we would solidify our status as a one seed that early. I really believe because I mean, our yeah. schedule is not that hard. I, I think this South Carolina game is personal for me just because, like, football alone, uh, obviously. Just going into South Carolina, going back into Columbia with our, our basketball team. Uh, looking at Kentucky, man, I don't know if y'all saw last night against, you know, uh, LSU. They tried to give LSU every opportunity to win that game with 30 seconds left on the clock. Absolutely blew my mind. Uh, it was just, you know, crazy to see. The SEC basketball, it's in, you know, full effect. Like, even like 30 minutes ago on here, A&M getting two texts before the game even starts. They left their jerseys at the hotel, like, against Florida. Like, it's just all <laughs> – all in all, there's a new storyline. I think overall, man, like I look at this, I think Tennessee really could just clear the board if they're locked. And if we see what we saw last night, man, like I don't think any team on here is really going to give us a problem unless we get to Texas. And, you know, Texas does seem legit, but Kansas State went like full sweet 16 preseason on them last night and scored 116 points. So, ooh, damn. Mentioned they got a lot of, you know, locker room issues because their head coach is beating the shit out of his wife. So, that is true. Yes. So, I mean, we got that in our favor, too. So, you know, they're very distracted. You know, they can't really focus. I mean, it's bad for them. Great for us, though. Yeah. Thank God. Sorry. Oh, you're good. I was just going to say, I'm really looking forward to Texas coming because that's the day before my birthday. Nice. And I thought about going to the game, the matchup last year at in Texas, and then 
to have it back this year. Like it's the day before my birthday last year was on my birthday, but still like super fun. It should be a good birthday weekend for me. Um, but I certainly think we could go three of four, four for four in the, in the next stretch. I see no reason why we can't, especially after last night's performance. Yeah. I think the sneakiest one on this, looking at the games, is like LSU, just because it's in a one and away game. Two after the whole Will Wade thing that we gave them shit for, and like LSU, like the players, not many are still there. But I think overall, like their fans are going to want to win against Tennessee. They're a silent, you know, twelve and two team as well. Thankfully, we get Kentucky at home. I don't have to, you know, go against the referees. Vanderbilt at home. Don't have to go against, you know, the Nashville natives, Mississippi State's and Mississippi State. So we'll see, you know, what kind of whistle we get in Starksville. But I think after we saw. You know, last night that we, we should be able to go in there and dominate them again. Let's say somehow figure out a way to lock down this defense. Obviously, you know, clear mind. We're not going to go out here and stroke it like that every single night. We've seen that and proved time and time again. Uh, but they can even put up, you know, 50 percent of that shot. Right. Like it's going to be hard to stop this team. I mean, they even pre- they've proven many times this season that we're like, really, the only thing we got to do is just maybe score 60 points. Nine times out of ten, we'll win because our defense is just that good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're stopping everyone. I mean, you know. even even if the Arizona loss, I mean, as awful as we played defensively, you know, like it was still a three, four-point game, like almost the entire game. So I got more in confidence in the world that, like, we can win these games. I, I mean, personally, I think we're going to beat the shit out of Kentucky next Saturday. I really do. I mean, you know, when you take in the factor that they are – you know, eating a little humble pie. They're unranked. They're struggling to Missouri. They're struggling to LSU. And not to mention, you know, Chris Lofton's number five is going to be retired that weekend as well. I mean, it's going to be a rowdy-ass atmosphere. And we're just going to tell his toothless yokel coal miners to go back where they belong. So, again. Again, yeah. Georgia defeats number 22, Auburn, 76-64. It's a final. But Georgia won? Yeah, Georgia just beat Auburn on their uh, Wow. Wow. Nice SEC. I forgot that they their coach is Mike White. Mikey White went to Georgia, Mikey, man. That's crazy. Medium shirt. All right. Well, I'm calling it now, even though we got, you know, a few more SEC games to play before Kentucky. Um, Julian Phillips had a quiet 11-7 and seven last night, 11.7 boards. I think we might see his first double-double, 20 points, 10 boards, something like that. Plus, I think he's finally starting to get into rhythm, uh, SEC play. Bro, oh. I think he's going to I think he's gonna get more consistent as it goes on. And if Triple J is coming off the bench, that's going to give him – you know, more ability to play that true forward thing that he's, you know, used to playing. I think we might just be seeing uh, the best to come for Julian Phillips. Double-double, maybe. 20 and 10, I highly doubt that. But, I mean, I mean there, there's, you know, there's facts to prove this. Unlike, you know, the last year's Euros take, you know, the double-double Euros. Oh, whole oh, thing. I'm sorry. I, you're talking about the Euros that start off with six straight points in that SEC semifinal against Kentucky. I mean, the man almost had a double-double in the first five minutes. He was dominant. <laughs> Oh, it was absolutely dominant. Okay. And I, that was just, you know, I was heated the moment. I wasn't, I didn't mean that personally. I, I we all know you're it's just, he's not capable of a double double. He's capable of like a few 10 point games, a couple times a season, or maybe get a firm four or six. But he ain't cap- capable of a double double. Julian Phillips, he is. He's not, he's not scoring 20 points and 10 rebounds. If he's scoring 20 points and 10 rebounds, we got like a top five NBA draft pick on our team. And I think he's a first round pick. I don't think he's a top five. Really? Yeah. Man, crazy, what is bro. this year? I mean, like, I mean, every big game that we've had this year, whether if it's like Arizona, like he's gone completely rogue. I mean, like, like I told you three weeks ago, might as well play with four guys on the court with him. <laughs> I mean, he's turned it around now. And now, like I said, I think it's because he has less of that pressure 
on him since Triple J is back. So he's able to play more natural and play more of his style than as opposed, you know, to playing two or three different types of positions. But, dude, I mean, let's let's hold the horses here. He ain't getting 2010. He ain't getting 2010. No, I think so. No. It would be it would be fucking stupid though. Like that that's definitely a, a top five draft dig. Like I mean, like dude, like twenty, like twenty points, ten rebounds, like in the NBA is like I mean that's good. Like that's like achievable because everyone's shooting like forty five shots personally a game. In college, like there's not a lot of guys out there that can do twenty ten. I mean, like Toshibwe, I mean, is probably one of the very few guys, if not the only player. That can do that on a consistent basis, and even him, he, even he can't do it consistently. That's, that's because Kentucky sucks for the most part. Right, that that doesn't mean anything, okay? So it, it does. I mean, I, yeah, it kind of does. We have a full stacked roster of Escovy. I mean, he averaged double double last year. But I mean, yeah, which is who am I to say? Sheway is is Kentucky. They have to build everything around him. That's all they have. He really should have left for the draft last year. He was in a first I mean, round. They would they would be way worse off right now if he did. That'd be absolutely insane. So I, you know, it's funny though. Like I, I think someone was telling me that I think Calipari has like a lifetime contract at Kentucky or something stupid, or like his buyout would be like almost sixty million dollars. It really, if they miss the tournament this year, which honestly, after Georgia beating Auburn, might not be you know out of the imagination as a possibility. You fire him. I mean, that's two NIT appearances in the last ten years. I mean, even Tennessee wasn't even that bad. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I, I think they'll be calling for it, man. All that hard earned coal mine money, man, and it's going to Calipari's lifetime contract. Like, I mean, they already they already add a year to their football coach's contract if he wins six games a year, and that's just a trust in itself. When he's making nine point five a year, but that. Like, that's because Kentucky football is like the most. Well, mediocre I think the overall, man, it's the Kentucky standard. It's just well, you know, mean, Kentucky's Kentucky. Uh, that's true. Yeah, exactly. It's the state of Kentucky. I mean, from you know, legislatures to everyone else. I mean, it's just Kentucky. Yeah, they reward extensions for six wins. We fire coaches after six wins. Like, just yeah, I mean, we're not the same. Yeah, exactly. exactly. These are great points, guys. <laughs> The show has gone completely off the rails. I have no idea what we're going to talk about for the next 15 minutes. I don't either. That's what I was I was trying to pull something out of my ass. Oh, I, I'm about to pull something out of my ass. So I looked at the uh, the A&M and Florida score, and A&M, they left their jerseys, you know, a 30-minute late tip. They're beating them by 15 right now. Florida is just in shambles. Why did they leave? Do you have details on that? I'm not up to date on that. Uh, who? Why they left their jerseys and oh, I have no idea. That has to be like an equipment team issue. So I don't understand why you give them a double tag. But I think the team manager must have like literally forgot them at the hotel. He must have been so hype or like so high, and you know I don't know which one. But they said though, like I think it took him like almost forty five minutes just to get the jerseys and back because it's like in the middle of like Ooh. rush hour. <laughs> I have a really detailed topic to talk about that we forgot about. Let's do it. The Jalen Wright rumors. Ooh. Okay. Ooh, that's a way to close. All right, so obviously, if you don't know, Jalen Wright, you know, putting out the tweet yesterday, um, basically kind of quoting, you know, the Henry Toto thing. It's like, it ain't personal, it's just business, like, all that. Um, everyone was kind of speculating, you know, the worst when they saw that, thinking, you know, in the new era of the transfer portal, is Jalen Wright going? Is he staying? Um, there's been, you know, rumblings in the offseason, you know. I've been telling people all along without, you know, telling them because, you know, don't want to do the tampering, but – if you think that people are, you know, not calling Tennessee players, like Tennessee's, you know, getting in contact with other players to come into the portal, you're just, you know, delusional. 100%, there's been, you know, some kind of contact there. Kids from North Carolina, 
got to think about schools like North Carolina, North Carolina State. Um, it's basically legal for, you know, to have a teammate and just be able to, you know, hit you up, like, let's see what's best for business. Uh, I think all in all, he wasn't our lead back. Uh, that There's stuff to point out like that. Um, wasn't, you know, everything like that. But I really don't think this is like a life and death situation yet. I don't see him officially pulling the trigger yet. But I definitely think there is some kind of contact from other schools. I think in this day and age, you know, the NIL collective uh, laws where they can meet with the staff and figure out a number for players. I think there's going to be a meeting maybe in the next few days or so where Tennessee sits down there and, you know, kind of figure something out. If they can, you know, meet on a number, then I definitely think that, you know, the future is bright. He's going to be a more lead back. He's going to be, you know, he exploded this year, best season at Kentucky game, the Florida game. Shining this bowl game was our, you know, leading, leading back. Uh, all in all, man, like we've been talking about, it's a new day and age of college football. If you're going to leave, you're going to stay. You can be getting the best playing time. You could be having the most fun. But if, you know, you're getting advice from someone in your ear and you want to go back home, and, you know, get an extra dollar, it's going to happen. And I think it's going to, you know, be a lot of guys, not just, you know, a situation like this. I think it's like one of the first instances, obviously, uh, Walker Merrill and RJ Perry entering the portal earlier today, too. Um, I don't want to say anything official on it yet. I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's, you know, trending 50-50. But I definitely think there is involvement, you know, from that hometown school that's been reaching out. I think there's definitely spoken right there. And I can't, you know, like, I'm not really surprised. It's just, as, you know, Brando said, it's just a day and age where, like, you know, if he got the opportunity to go play elsewhere and get a guaranteed starting spot and, you know, make even more money in your NIL, you're going to do that. I would personally, honestly, like, I think he's, a, like, you know, as great as he was this year, I think he's more of a replaceable player than, say, like, Dylan Sampson. I feel like Dylan Sampson would be a huge loss for us because I think there's way more potential in him, especially within the next year or two, um, of being, like, you know, potentially like an all-SEC running back um, and as opposed to Jalen Wright. And that's not saying anything bad towards Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright obviously was phenomenal for us this year. But this is also a type of offense where, you know, honestly, if you're just two, three, four running backs deep, you're going to have guys that are going to easily be able to get, you know, five, six, seven yards of carry. I mean, this offense is just designed for running backs, you know, to be able to beat. So I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I think we could be able to get someone, you know, in the portal. And I think, you know, what we've kind of forgotten, like, you know, we, we signed Cam Selden, who also was a four-star athlete that played at you know played at running back too and wide receiver. So like he's a guy that played multiple positions, and honestly, he could probably be able to get you know that third-string spot and get a couple reps too if Jalen Wright does leave. But uh, I think we'll be okay. I'll be a little bit more concerned though if we, you know, if we have a couple more guys in the offensive line leaves. However, but I think we'll be all right though. Yeah, that that would be concerning for sure. I'm not. I'm not in shambles over this. You know, everyone gets so dramatic, but, you know, nothing's official until it's official. I mean, you can speculate all you want to until someone makes a decision. Um, I know it's just a natural vol mentality to go full breakdown mode when you think something's going to happen. But the reality is you just got to chill and wait a second. I don't know. I Maybe I have too much trust in the staff or whatever. I don't know. But I just don't get up in arms about shit like this anymore. I just trust that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. If they leave, we're going to replace them. and We're going to figure out who we either replace them or we find someone on the team to step up and do the job. And I feel like we have the staff in place to ensure that that happens. Um, that's really all we can do. 
I think it was a, a possibility. I think the staff, like they said, if like there's a you know a really good back in the portal, it would make sense. Obviously, it, it would have an ability to push someone out. But the thing is, the only visit we had up was for uh, Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina, and he canceled his visit here to go to Southern Cal, and it sounds like he's kind of locked up there. So with that coming out at the same time that that got canceled, and you know Tennessee was you know thinking they're going to get a, a complete lean, and he ends up kind of leaning elsewhere. And then you also had the departures earlier in the year with Justin Williams, Thomas, and Leith Whitehead, two power backs that were, you know, guys that could have been fundamental developmental power backs. You signed, you know, Deshaun Bishop on a preferred walk-on. You got a late addition in Khalifa Keith. And, you know, Jabari Small played with a torn labor. Like, no one's talking about that. He played with a torn labor all season after last year, you know, playing through the season with another torn labor. I'm like, the guy's going out there giving in his all, coming back for one more year. I truly think, like, fully healthy he can, you know, be that kind of guy. He's, you know, just gotten better every single year. But if you do, like, you know, lose a guy like Jalen Wright, you definitely have to go in there and replace him. Um, obviously, like, there's a lot of names that the staff's probably interested in, haven't entered yet. But right after uh, that period, the week after the bowl games, I wouldn't be surprised in, like, the next week or two if some highly rated prospects enter right before the uh, the February uh, deadline closes and, you know, find a new home before spring ball. I think they're definitely going to be active. Obviously, the wide receiver – we mentioned the offensive line needs work. Uh, John Campbell from Miami is literally on campus right now. Would be a huge addition, plus the Texas guy we landed earlier a few weeks back. And then, you know, you just got to go out there and fill everything in. But I think it's definitely the day and age where you can sit down with your collective and, you know, have an opinion on what you think a guy's worth. And he's going to go and talk to someone else and they're going to give him a bigger, you know, a bigger tag. And it's based off needs and, you know, what you need and what you, you can, you know, have room to let go. And I think if you do have a guy like Cameron Sullivan step up, if you do have young guys step up and you do replace them with an experienced back that has one or two years and you can recruit over him, then, Hey, that's just, you know what it is, but it's, you know, it's the new day and age is get in, get out, build your staff, build your roster. And you just got to rebuild every single year now. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, it's kind of like what Lowe said, like, I, I completely agree for in the sense, like, I'm, I'm just not worried about this because, you know, we were also in the same situation back in late July, early August when Lynn J. Dixon was like on campus for five seconds and then he got kicked off the team, you know, and we were like, well, we only have like, you know, two running backs that are solidified for sure. And then like three unknowns and then wound up Dylan Sampson being, I think arguably probably the most talented running back that we have on our, on our roster. And we might have the same case with, you know, you know, Khalifa Keith and Cam Selvin both coming in as well. Like, I th- there's got there's a reason why he recruits these guys in. I trust this, you know staff as far as finding that talent, especially that underage talent that no one's that you know everyone's overlooking. And I think we're going to be all right. My thing is like you know if we're going to go in the portal, like the two positions like units that I would really have one focus on is offensive line. It's going to be so hard to replace Darnell Wright, who was just an absolute monster and for us, you know, and Calvin as well. And secondary, for the love of God, I mean, we got to get some defense backs in there. I know we got a lot in the, you know, in the recruiting class, which is get some experienced guys, just someone that's halfway decent. Because I swear, I'm going to pull my hair out if I see Kamal Haddon play one more snap. I really am. It's good that you pointed to the recruiting class with the defensive backs, because that's what you have to be like so careful about with recruiting defensive backs in the portal. You got to go after you know a two year guy, one year guy that has you know more experience but less years left. You know, let your other guys be able to get into that process and get fundamentally ready as they go up and, you know, get in the freshman and sophomore play. Like they have to get playing time in this day and age as well. And I think obviously you rebuild your team through the portal, but you really build your team and your dynasty through your recruiting classes. So I think you have to look at those guys more and be like, you know, keep your promise to them. 
besides guys that are just coming in and filling in. I think if you can get that two-year guy left or one year left and get immediate impact on the field, like you kind of did with a Keenan Peely, a linebacker, do that for safety or corner, that would be a huge addition. And then one thing I kind of looked at, you know, with the Walker Merrill entrance today, you look at the the slot receiver, there's not a, you know, besides Squirrel White, like every other receiver is 6'4", 6'3", 200 pounds, outside guy. What are we going to do with, you know, just one slot receiver? I think Tennessee has to kind of get active there. Do they side Cameron Sullivan or Chaz Nimrod into that slot guy to give, you know, Squirrel some rest? Obviously, they're interested in Dante Thornton. So does Ramel Keaton slide inside? Like, I'm not sure what Hype was going to do. Uh, landed that UC Davis tight end, so. I think definitely have to reform that offense, figure out what you're going to do. Are you going to keep the same formation, go four wide, go bigger outside, and just, you know, hope for the best? What are you going to do? Got to figure that out. But I definitely agree on the, the defensive backs. It, just, it's, it all kind of correlates, man. You got to do what's best for everyone. Yeah, you made a great – I like Brenda's point about how, like, you rebuild from the portal but build your dynasty from your recruiting. And that's true because you cannot – especially now, over-promise and under-deliver. I mean, even back in the Butch Jones days, we saw the talent he had and how shitty he handled it and all the talent that he lost um, by doing the same thing. And now it's even of utmost importance to make sure that if you're hardcore recruiting these freshmen, that they see the field. I mean, they have to or they're gone. They are literally gone before you even get started with them. And then what's the point? You know, you've wasted however much financial assets and resources, time, development, just for them to walk out the door. So it's a very important balance to make sure that you don't overpool from the transfer portal and then screw over the younger guys who are just going to leave. Um, and that's probably one of the hardest parts about coaching now in college football, to be honest with you, is to figure out the exact dynamic for this thing and how to how to properly build your roster and deliver to everyone that you're bringing on the team. I think, you know, like in certain particular positions like kicker, punter, you know, maybe tied in, you can definitely be able to get those guys in the portal and be able to fill it out for a year or two. But your core units, whether if it's like, you know, your defensive backs or quarterback, obviously, and offensive line, you know, like you got to you got to get guys like, you know, out of high school be able to develop because there's not all the most talented guys in those positions are going to be in the portal 99% of the time. And we learned that the hard way this year. They're not like, I mean, they're just not. So you got to do that. And I think that's why they emphasize so much on having so many, you know, edge rushers, defensive backs, a couple linebackers too, because those positions this year specifically, we struggled so much and had such a lack of depth in there. And I think they did a great job on, you know, on addressing that. I just think if you add a couple guys, though, both in the secondary, even if those guys in the portal are not going to start, it just get, it helps the freshmen tremendously on being able to play with someone side by side with that experience. And so, and it will help them even be more competitive. Um, I think we're going to be fine, though. I really am. I mean, there's just, it's weird. You know, like even if we do wind up getting like two or three more guys in, enter the portal, which I'm sure we will, I, more than confident, though, the hypo and the staff will be able to get, you know, sorted out, and then we'll be more than good to go uh, come 2023. Absolutely. Um, anyone else have anything to add? We finished – we got a whole hour in with three of us. I'm really <laughs> no, yeah, I think, I think you're just going to see, obviously, football has come to an end. Got a lot to look forward to. A lot of potential with the basketball side of things. Drew pointed out we're the number two in – 
baseball's early rankings according to the first pitch. So that was huge all in all. A lot to look forward to. You know, it's different this year. Football, you know, wrapped in the basketball conference play. When usually, you know, we're waiting for baseball, you know, go deep and wrap in the football year. Kind of been blessed with everything. Um, a crazy ending to the 2022 season. I think all the potential is there for 2023 after what we saw Friday. And I think we're just getting started. Going 11-2 and two in year two, absolutely crazy. Took down two great coaches like Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney in the process. And I just think, you know, as we, you know, you know, move on to basketball, move on to baseball, appreciate all the this season. I think I had the most time, uh, most fun time so far on ATD this football season. And it was just, you know, a crazy winner. Remember to leave in 2022. A lot of good things for the brand uh, going forward to this year. I'm just kind of hyped to see where it goes and moves forward. Yeah, no, this was hands down most fun football season I can remember, especially, you know, after the last 15 years of just pure me- mediocrity that we've had to deal with. Um, for, I mean, for 2022 to really consider that football, you know, basketball and baseball, we combined at 68 and five record at home. It's just unbelievable. I mean, like, it's just, it's, it doesn't even come into words. Like it, like it doesn't even seem real almost that like we're all of a sudden going from being the bottom feeders in those three sports to all being top 10, top five programs now. And Sprando said, football is only going to get better. This is going to be a phenomenal basketball season. The Diamond Vols and Tony V. I mean, we're definitely going to be college world series bound. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, and it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun few months for sure. Hell yeah, guys. I mean, in reflection, 2022 was absolutely incredible. We've had so much fun just on here, all of us getting to meet up with each other, uh, meeting everyone's fam. I mean, hell, I've met Brando's mom, met Drew's girlfriend, Drew's uncle. Like, I've I've met parents. I got to meet everybody. It's been an incredible year, a very social year, very exciting sports year for us. incredible to just think about how awesome of a football team we had this past year. The legacy will live on forever. Hendon Hooker will always be a king here. Like just all the things, it's just been a beautiful season. Um, And so much to look forward to with this basketball team. I, this has to be it. This has got to be where we make a deep run. I just, I, I can't say that enough. I mean, honestly, I really, truly feel like we have every piece. Um, and I really feel like we can do it this time. That may bite me in the ass, but that's how I feel. No, I mean, I, it's like I said, it back to be. them, there's going to be a basketball team that makes a Final Four run. It's this team. It's just we're, it to be, man. I, we're, we have depth. We have experience. We're, we have shooters. We have shooters, finally, after like the first month and a half that we, you know, we didn't. But like – Literally, this team has all the tools to be able to be a Final Four team, if not even a national title team. I mean, they really do. Yeah, they absolutely do, and people are really starting to talk about it, and our schedule favors that as well, and um, our draw could be really high, you know, come March. So there's just so much to look forward to. I'm so excited. I feel like it's really, truly going to be a great year for us, and the future is looking super bright. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that does it in for us. Um, Yep, and that's perfect timing because my computer is almost dead. So, yeah. Awesome show, guys. Uh, Until, I guess, next week. Good night. Go balls. Go balls.